and the saints of God shout amen. Thank you for worshiping the Lord with me. Great. Celebrate the King. Hallelujah. And you may please be seated. I'm going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I'm going to be in verses 16 to 18. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. It says, rejoice evermore. There are times in our lives when we don't feel like rejoicing. We don't feel like it. But we are not a people that operate by what we feel. The Bible makes it clear, I believe in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, that we walk by faith and not by sight. Feeling is sight. Feeling is part of the five senses, the realm of the five senses. What we see, what we hear, what we taste, what we touch, what we feel. We don't walk, we don't live our lives by what we feel. So there are days, there are moments, there are seasons, there are times in our lives when we don't feel like rejoicing, but we have a command from the Lord. By the Holy Spirit, it says rejoice evermore. Pastor, I don't feel like rejoicing this morning. Well, it's not about how you feel. Rejoice evermore. If you don't want to be disobedient to the spirit of the Lord, he says rejoice evermore. Okay, so I rejoice. Praise God, amen. Then the blessings of rejoicing will then follow. But you know many times we want God to do certain things in our lives before we rejoice. When God does it, I will celebrate. When he does it, I'll share my testimony. When he does it, I'm going to praise him. In fact, I'm going to compose a song for my God. Why don't you compose it right now? A lot of the psalms that we read and, and, and bless us today were not written in good times. David was on the run from his son, his own son. The son of his loins. He was on the run from him at one point. He was on the run from Saul, the king who wanted to kill him. He was on the run from his friends who turned enemies. All manner of things were going on in his life, yet he was writing psalms. He was writing psalms to the Lord. There were times he complained. But more often than not, check even those psalms that started with complaints. Check the ending of it. It ended with thanksgiving. On the note of thanksgiving. Now, well, it might be like this right now, but I'm still going to rejoice because I know you got me. Somebody say, God got me. Rejoice evermore. The next verse says, pray without season. Pray without stopping. The job of the Christian is to pray. Our primary occupation is to pray. Jesus spoke a parable to this end to say that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Luke 18 and verse 1. We ought always to pray. We ought always, like David said, to set the Lord before us and to keep him at our right hand. That is how to not be moved. And by the grace of God, our prayer level is going to another level in this church as we wrap up this year and get into the new year. And we will see God. Amen? I've always said, if there are Christians that can pray, there is a God that answers prayers. In Psalm 65 and verse 2, it says, O thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come. Not some people, not the anointed ones only. All flesh come. If there are people that can pray, there is a God that answers prayers. So if you want to pray 3 p.m. tomorrow, I'll be right here. Amen. And we're here for two hours. And we're stuck. So if you have been praying 15 minutes, you join me tomorrow and you pray for two hours. The first day you pray for two hours, it's going to sound like you're going to die. But you're not going to die. Something will die in you, the flesh. But something will come alive, the spirit. 
and then you become attuned to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Some of you need ideas for the new year. Ideas for your business. Breakthrough ideas for your career, for your profession. In the place of prayer, ideas are birthed. Your ears will be opened. That's when Isaiah 30, 21 will come to place. That's when it will come to the fall. That your ears shall hear a word behind you. Sing it to you. This is the way walking it when you turn to the left and when you turn to the right. On the platform of heartfelt, effectual, fervent prayer. James 5.16 says, The effectual, fervent prayer of one righteous man availeth much. God doesn't need a multitude to work. Doesn't need a multitude to move in his church. That's why if it's only one person that shows up, I'm glad. We're going to pray. If nobody shows up, I'm going to pray. The effectual, fervent prayer of one man. One righteous man makes tremendous, no, no, the will of God, give thanks. I might not be happy right now, but I give thanks. And if you give thanks long enough, you're going to be happy. Amen? It's just a matter of time. Make it a lifestyle to give thanks. Don't go 5, 10, 25, 30 minutes without saying thank you, Jesus. Find a reason to say thank you, Jesus. I mean, if we dwell in a position where we're just looking at the things that are not working yet in our lives, nobody will give thanks to God. But can we switch the dynamics? Can we look at the things that are working? Yeah, we understand there are a couple of things that are not working yet. Put the word yet behind it because it's still going to work. It is still going to obey you. Can I have an amen to that? But can we focus on the things that are working? Can we look at the things that God has done? The fact that I'm alive. I'm not there yet, but I'm breathing. Glory be to God, I give him thanks. I don't have that result yet in my hand, but I'm thankful. I don't have that money in my account yet, but I'm grateful. I don't have that promotion yet, but I'm, I'm grateful to God. That's the kind of attitude that we're supposed to have. This morning I have for a title, The Attitude of Gratitude. Attitude, this is everything. Everything. And in every situation, your attitude is important. Your attitude matters. Today we're considering the attitude of gratitude. Giving thanks to God in spite of our outward circumstances. The attitude that says, I don't have it all figured out yet, but I'm grateful. I may not be where I want to be yet, but I definitely can look back over my shoulders and thank God I'm not where I used to be. Look at your life. Three years ago, where were you? But look at you today. Are you on the same spot? Are you on the same spot like you were five years ago? In fact, are you on the same spot like you were last year? We can look back over our shoulders and say, well, Lord, we are not there yet. We are still gunning. We are still targeting a particular place. And we want to get there. But we can look back over our shoulders and say, thank you, Lord. We have moved. We are no longer where we used to be. Somebody say, I have moved. And I'm grateful to God for that. I'm grateful for the air I breathe. I'm grateful for the blood running in my veins. I'm thankful for the gift of a biological family. I'm thankful for the gift of a spiritual family called church. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, Paul the Apostle said, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. You are not alone. You belong to a family. As you belong to a biological family in the physical, you also belong to a spiritual family in the realm of the spirit. And God is the head of that family. And if God is the head of your family, it means there is no going down, there is no crashing. Can I have an amen? Thank God you belong to a spiritual family. You have a church that you can call home. And thank God our doors are open. You can come on Monday afternoon, 3 p.m. And, 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 and offload your burden before the Lord. 
Hallelujah. Thank God. God doesn't want us to be alone. He sets the solitary in families. Those who are lonely, he puts them in a family. He sets them in a family. Psalm 68, number 6. The Bible says God sets the solitary in families. Why is your attitude so important? Why is your attitude? I'm addressing your attitude this morning. I really am not centering on gratitude. I want to center, I want to zero in on your attitude. Your attitude. See, sometimes it is not what comes against us that is important. It's our attitude towards what comes against us. Sometimes it's not what people that are saying about you that, that is really important. It's your attitude towards what people are saying about you. Somebody can look at you and say, look, you are, you are so dull in your place of work. Your boss looks at you and says, you are so unproductive. You are so dull. In fact, I, I don't even know why we employed you in the first place. They've made their statement. Now, that's quite toxic. That's not encouraging. Now, but what's going to be your attitude towards what they said? You can take that as constructive criticism. You can take that as some bricks and use that to build something and climb out of that pit. Or you may decide to crash under the weight of that criticism. Oh, my boss said I'm not productive. My boss said I'm so dull. My boss said he's regretting employing me. Well, I think I'm not useful anymore. Am I useful in this world? Is my life even productive at all? I think my boss is right. So what am I going to do? Let me go kill myself. Let me end it all so I can have peace. That's another attitude. The same word spoken to you could be spoken to another colleague of yours. And that colleague of yours goes to the place of prayer, goes on their knees and says, Father, do I need insights, concepts, and ideas? I really need them. Give me ideas. Give me concepts. Give me insight. I want this same boss to use his mouth in the next six months when we are doing another appraisal to say I'm the, I'm the most productive staff. And it can happen. It's about attitude. So it's not what happens against you or what comes against you. It's about your attitude towards that situation. Are you with me, church? Life will not always be rosy. Life will not always give you what you deserve. Life is not fair, to be honest. <laughs> but God is always good. So in everything, the Bible says give thanks. Why? You need to have a change of attitude. Attitude, they say, a bad attitude is like a flat tire. Until you change it, you're not going anywhere. If you got bad flat tires, you're not going anywhere, baby. No matter how clean your car is, you got four flat tires. Even one is bad enough. Why is your attitude so important? Why am I emphasizing it this morning? I'm emphasizing it because I want you to know that God is interested in your attitude. I want you to know that God is noting your attitude. God is noticing and noting it. He's making note about your attitude. God is looking at you part time. And he's looking at your attitude in every situation. And if we ever knew that we have been watched by another world, I think our attitude would be a lot better. If we ever knew that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we will then run with patience the race that is set before us. We will then lay aside every sin and the weight that does so easily beset us. Looking unto Jesus, the author, and the finish of our faith. Why is your attitude so important? Number one, and this is the only point I'm making today. God is interested in your attitude. God is looking at it. God is looking at your attitude. Someone say, God is looking at my attitude. Say, make it louder. To be sure that you're still awake, say it louder. Very good. In every situation in life, God is looking at our attitude. I'll give you an example Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2. 
God was talking to the children of Israel. And God said, look, you guys, <laughs> I'm checking you out. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take it from verse 1. All the commandments which I commanded this day shall you observe to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess, and possess the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers. Now, verse 2, let's take that together. One, to go. And I can't hear you want to go. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. What for? To humble you and to prove you to know what was in your heart, your attitude. Whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. So God permits certain things to happen so he can know what is in your heart. What's inside your heart is what flows out of you. For out of the abundance of the heart, even the mouth speaks. Your attitude is actually coming from your heart. So it's your heart attitude. The attitude of your heart. God said, I, 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 I led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Alright? To humble you. And to prove you. To know what was in your heart. Whether you would keep his commandments. Whether your attitude to his commandments would be positive or no. They said, let's come and do content creation day. And only a few people showed up. Attitude. What's your attitude towards the things of God? You know, some of us are so self-centered. It's about me. I, me, myself. If they're distributing money, yes, I'll be there. If they're distributing contracts, yes, I'll be there. If it's about scholarships, I'll be there. If it's about God, well, God can take care of himself. Attitude. And you don't know that all these little, little, little things count with God. All these little, little things matter to God. It's not about the big, big things God is looking at. He's looking at your attitude in the little, little, little things. God said to them in verse 3, And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might take thee, sorry, that he might make thee know, that man does not live by bread alone, or only, but by every word that proceeded. Out of the mouth of the Lord does man live. This was what Jesus was quoting when the tempter came to him in Luke chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 4. Luke 4, 4, Matthew 4, 4. When Jesus said that man shall not live by bread alone, Jesus was quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3. What's your attitude towards the word of God? And that's your life. That's your life. What's your attitude towards your Bible? Your Bible is only to be opened on Sunday morning, to be closed all week round. He said, thy raiment wax not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these 40 years. Isn't that a miracle? That people traveled for 40 years in the wilderness and their clothes did not grow old. Same clothes. <laughs> How many of you can wear same clothes for 15 years? If I say four years, some of you will say, yeah, four, yeah. Because even me, I think I have some four-year-old <laughs> shirts. But you can wear the same clothes for 40 years. They would have changed in size in 40 years. So as they were growing, the clothes were growing with them. We read the Bible many times on the surface. We don't dig deep. Um, I want you to dig deep now. How did it happen that they didn't outgrow their shoes? I mean, when I was growing up, what mama would do was to buy us oversized shoes and stock it in with newspapers or calendars or some rags, pu push it in. So, if you're wearing size um, 4, for example, they buy you a size 6 or size 7, and they push a lot of stuff in. 
You know why? So you can wear it the next year. As you grow, you keep wearing it. As you grow, oh my God, thank God for a change of mentality. They didn't want to waste their money. So on Christmas Day, usually, you're not able to run to church. You're walking to church and then, you know what I mean? That thing is dancing behind you. Cro, cro, cro. It's coming out. No matter what they put inside, your legs still, it, it still won't fit. The shoes won't fit. But how did God do it in 40 years? That didn't happen. Look at what he said. He said, your raiment, that is your clothes, did not grow old. Neither did your foot swell. They didn't have elephantiasis for 40 years. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land. I love the Lord. God's plan is always good. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he has given thee. In verse 16, it says, Who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that it might humble thee and that it might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end. God's plan at your latter end is always a good one. God always has a good plan that we end well. It is better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. So even this year will end well for you. You might not have started well, but will end well. The remaining days of 2023 will be days of rejoicing in the name of Jesus. Pan, just 11 days. But it turned out to be a journey of 40 years. One generation. A generation is a period of 40 years. Why did that happen? Because their hearts were full of complaints. They were always complaining and murmuring. Nobody likes an environment where the people around you are always complaining and murmuring. In fact, if you do a study into the origin of the word complaining or murmuring, you it means staying awake, like staying awake all night. So they stayed awake all night for 40 years. When they were supposed to travel, just 11 years. Because the more you complain, the more you stay, the longer you stay on the spot. <laughs> Hear me? The more you complain, the longer you stay on the spot. Complaining doesn't change anything. Oh, I don't like this church. Okay, what is it that you don't like in the church? Can you, can you change it? I don't know how to change it. Then you stay on the spot. We move on. We like the church. We are blessed. Amen? Can I have an amen to that? Someone said, well, the message, I'm not blessed by the message. Someone else is blessed and they're moving on. You stay on the spot. I've seen that happen over and over again. I don't like the way my room smells. Buy air freshener, baby. Complaining about your room doesn't change the aroma of your room. Have you ever been to the bank and you got money by complaining? Hello? First bank, no, GT bank. Here I am, here I am. I'm one of your customers. I don't like the way you're treating me. Okay. Please, could you go over to the customer care section? And then you go there. I don't like the way you're treating me. How are we treating you? You keep giving me debit alert. Can we check your account? But you don't have money in your account. Well, because you guys, because of the way you're treating me. Would they say, oh, thank you for coming to customer care. Thank you for complaining. We're going to credit you with a millionaire. Is that going to ever happen? 
If that happens, every Nigerian will turn to a complainer. Or complainant. <laughs> like they say in, in law. Complainant. You know, it, it won't happen. It won't happen. So complaining doesn't change your status. The children of Israel were complaining. Oh no, why, why has Moses taken us out of Egypt? We missed the cucumber. Oh God, oh God, the cucumber of Egypt. The licks, oh, the garlic, the garlic. Oh my God, the fish, the fish, catfish. Have you ever eaten smoked catfish before? Church, I'm talking to you now. I'm not talking to the Bible. I'm talking to you now. Have you ever eaten smoked catfish before? I've, I've eaten it a couple of times. Man, that thing is sweet. I can still taste it. God bless dear Kola's mom. She sent me some from Akwaibom. Some years ago. When, when next are you going to Akwaibom? Please go now. Bring fish. <laughs> and then I went to eat out somewhere some time ago. And they said they had fish. I said, okay, give me fish. And then they gave me this fish. And it was, it was sli sliced catfish. It was, it, was, it was like it was grilled. The children of Israel. God brought them out of bondage. They had been in bondage for 430 years. That's 10 generations going to the 11th one. And in one night, by the mighty hand of God, God delivered them. No matter how sweet captivity is, it is still captivity. Are you getting what I'm saying? Somebody's in prison now, and he says, well, I'm free. Even though they say I'm in prison, I'm free. I'm enjoying myself here. You are still in prison, man. Let them put four air conditioners in your room. Let them buy you a brand new mattress, brand new duvet. It is still prison. You can go to the mall at the time you like. You can go to see a movie. No matter how captivity, no matter how sweet it may be, may none of us ever remain or ever stay in captivity in the name of Jesus. You see, even though they had been delivered from Egypt, but Egypt was still in them. They were complaining. Some people stay in prison for so long, by the time they set them free, they actually ask the magistrate or whoever set them free, they want to go back to prison. Because they don't know how to cope anymore in the digital world. When they went to prison 50 years ago, there were no mobile phones. So the guy is shocked everywhere he goes. People are queuing and he's wondering, what are they doing? They are queuing in front of an ATM machine. He's never seen an ATM machine before. It's dispensing, it's bringing money out. Money from a machine? The last one he knew was the snooker, what do you call it? Kalo Kalo machine. This is ATM. People are slotting one tiny card. He doesn't have it. People are carrying mobile phones. He's never seen it. So even though you set him free, prison might still be in him. That was the difference between Joseph and the other guys that were in prison. The other guys had prison in them, but Joseph, even though he was in prison, prison was not in him. Every day was rejoicing. Every day. The way they threw him into prison, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't right. But prison didn't get into him. He was the one going around, checking everybody out. Hey, how you doing? Why are you, why are you frowning? What's up? Hey, come on. Ah, why are you downcast today? Come on, come on, cheer up. I'm saying, well, the chief butler and the chief baker told him their stories. Because he had noticed them over time. They used to be cheerful, but that day they were not cheerful. Why was he able to notice them? Was he not a fellow prisoner? Attitude. So two people can be in the same situation. One has a good attitude. The other has a bad attitude. Look at this. Let me show you some of the scriptures that show the attitude of this, these guys. Their attitude was wrong, full of complaints and, and murmurings. Uh, look at, and, and God noticed it. God took note of it. So much so that this, this thing was recorded in the Bible. 
Exodus 15, 24. Let's go quickly, media. Exodus 15, 24. So I want you to know that every time you have an attitude, God is noticing. Exodus 15 and verse 24. Exodus 15, 24. Glory to God. All right. What does it say? And the people murmured against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? For what are we going to drink the moment? Exodus 16 and verse 2. 16 and verse 2. Let's read together. One, two, go, please. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. God was noting that. Every scripture is written by the inspiration of God. Are you with me? The Holy Ghost inspired holy men to write down these things for our learning. So every time they were murmuring, God noted it and put it in the heart of holy men to write it down. Because God noted it. Are you with me, church? Are you with me, church? Exodus 17 and verse 3. Exodus 17 and verse 3. Read out loud. One, two, go. And the, I can't hear you. One, two, go. And the people thirsted there for water. And the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt? Yeah? To kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst. You want to kill us? Why did you bring us out of captivity? Why did you bring us out of bondage? We liked our handcuffs. We liked them so much. There were prisoners who loved their handcuffs. They didn't like the freedom. Imagine if you were Moses. That man was the meekest man on earth. You, you rescued people. You paid their GC. You, you paid for their jam. Now they got admission. Now because they're having issues with chemistry 157. Why? Why? You should have left me in the village. I was doing fine. Where I was selling broom. I was selling my broom. I was selling pepe. I was selling pepe in the morning. I was selling broom in the afternoon. I was better. My life was better. What's this chemistry 157 now? You're trying to help somebody get some light, get some education. So you can become somebody in this generation. And they're fighting you for it. Have you ever helped someone and they fought you for helping them? attitude. Numbers 14 and verse 2. Numbers. Quickly please. Numbers 14 verse 2. Numbers 14 and verse 2. Thank you media. You're doing a great job. Let's go. Everybody. And the, all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, would God that we had died in the land of Egypt! Exclamation mark. Oh would God we had died in this wilderness. Another exclamation mark. Would God that we had died. Would it not have been better for us to have died in Egypt? Fighting Moses and Aaron for bringing them into freedom. Numbers 14, 29. Quickly, verse 29. Let's go. Same chapter 14, verse 29. Yeah? One, two, go. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness and all that were numbered of you according to your whole number from 20 years old and upward which have murmured against me. God was now bringing a judgment on them because their murmuring and complaining had reached the peak. And when this happened, this was when Moses wrote or because the people were actually praying that they would live up to 70 years. Because according to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3, 
God's spirit will not always strive with man because it's flesh. The number of his days, according to the Lord, is 120 years. But because of their complaining and their murmuring, God now brought a judgment upon them and said those from 20 years and above would just be dying in the wilderness. They would die. So then they began to say, well, we want to live up to 70. And if by reason of strength, 80. And that has become the order of the, of the day today. But do you know that even at 80, you can be very strong. God can keep you strong and healthy. You go to 90, you go to 100. And at 100, you can say, well, I want to go home. Or you can say, I want to test that 120. Praise God, amen. Read books. There are people, I have a book titled How to Live Long and Finish Strong by Gloria Copeland. You see people that lived above 100, 110, 120, 113, 115, 118, around the world. Around the world. We just don't want to live long for longevity's sake. We want to live long because we want to preach the gospel. Amen? Can I have an amen to that? So even if you don't like 120, you don't like 110, you don't like 100, you like 90, it's okay if that's your choice. But don't die young, child. Whatever you do, don't die young. Amen? Because the world needs you. You still have a lot of potential. A lot of songs you've not written. A lot of albums you've not waxed yet. A lot of drama playlets you've not acted. A lot of books you've not written. A lot of surgeries you have not carried out yet. And you're going to save somebody's life. Are you with me? So don't be too selfish to go home too early. Numbers 1641. Numbers 1641. Quickly. Numbers 1641. But on the morrow... All the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, you have killed the people of the Lord. <laughs> Did God send them that message? Come on, talk to me now, church. Was it God that said to the children of Israel, go and say to Moses and Aaron, you've killed my people? Was it God that sent them the message? No. It was their murmuring and their complaining. Moses and Aaron, you have killed all the people of the Lord. You have killed the people of the Lord. And I think God, they wanted to say, and the Lord will. <laughs> Deuteronomy 127. And then we look at one more scripture. Deuteronomy 127. Deuteronomy 127. One, two, let's go everybody. One, two, go. And ye murmured in your tent and said, because the Lord hated us. Can you imagine? He has brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Can you imagine? They said because the Lord hated them. That was why he brought them out of the land of captivity. The Lord hated them. Now, looking in retrospect now, can you say that the Lord brought them out of captivity because he hated them? Come on, talk to me, church. Don't sleep on me. Did God hate them? Why did he bring them out? He lost them. But the same people that were delivered said God hated them. Isn't it so today that God does certain things for us and we're using those things to fight God? Why didn't we see you in church? My job. When you didn't have a job, we all prayed together. Lord, give our brother a job. Lord, give our sister a job. Now you have the job. We don't see you in church anymore. Uh, you know, Pastor, today I'm in Hong Kong, tomorrow I'm in Japan, and you know, the day after, I could be in Dubai. Uh, thank God for all of that. But when you can be available, can you be available? The senior pastor, the lead pastor now is kicking against these online, online prayer platforms that we do. You know why? Because says you're not really sure that people are praying. And our MC confirmed that this morning. Even the number is poor. On MixLR, and on MixLR, we don't know whether you are praying or not. It's only the person leading the prayer. Whose voice we hear? Maybe if we use Google Meet, we can hear everybody praying. 
People can lie down and be saying, You are lying down on your bed. So let's come together and pray. Let's come together and generate power. Are you with me? Are you with me? Let's come together as a family and address issues. Let's kill cancer. Let's send cancer away. None of our parents must die of cancer anymore. Nobody should lose their parents in our church anymore. Let alone lose their lives. If one which is a thousand and two will put ten thousand to flight, how many will a hundred put to flight? If the effectual fervent prayer of one righteous man makes much power available, how about a hundred righteous people? How about two hundred righteous young people? We have slept enough. Tell your neighbor, wake up. Let me tell you, if you don't pray, you will do badly. If you don't pray, you will surprise yourself. Some of the temptations that some of us are dealing with today is a result of our prayerlessness. genuinely saved. Not saved today and then back tomorrow in the club. No. We want genuine salvation. We want genuine healing and miracles. We want to put the devil on the run. We want people to come to the church sick but go back healed. Not to go back home worse than they came. Are you with me? Enough is enough. Whatever you permit will persist. So if we are not permitting the devil anymore, he himself knows that his time is up. There is no force as potent as the one generated in the place of prayer. Psalm 106 verse 25. The last scripture there. And then I'll wrap this up. I'll show you a very good attitude. And I'll show you the consequence, one consequence of a bad attitude in the Bible. And he remembered for them his covenant and repented according to the... Mo- no, 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 no. That's not the verse. 106, 25. 25. Yeah. Yeah. So let's read this together. One, two, go. One, two, go. Increase the volume. African Americans, they speak what they call Ebonics. They say volume. Volume. Increase the volume. But! That's the way I wanted to read it. One, two, go. But! Murmured! In their tents and hearkened not unto the voice of the Lord. They murmured in their tents. When you murmur, even in your bedroom, God hears. Are you with me? Are you with me? I'm grateful I'm a Nigerian. God bless Nigeria. That's scarce in our days. What kind of goddamn country is this, man? Damn! Woke up today in Nigeria. Lord! When am I going to wake up in America? If you have that kind of attitude, you might never smell America. Thank God for where you are now. And you will eat the good of the land. And you go to America on the platter of grace. Amen? A lizard in Nigeria does not become an elephant in America. You are who you are. Nigeria is doing well overseas. Because it's in their gene to do well. There are people overseas who are beggars. 
beggars overseas. I told you the story before of how I met homeless people in America. In fact, in 2016, I was part of an outreach to feed the homeless. These were Americans, homeless people. I could hardly breathe because of the stench of their body odor. We're ministering Christ to them, but we got to give them food. We had to give them burgers, burgers and, and soda and, and, and juice and water. Man, you got to preach the gospel to them in their language. Man, you know what I'm saying? You got to accept Christ into your life. You know what I'm saying? I say, yeah, 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 man. Ugh. Yeah, man. <laughs> in my mind, I say, wow, and these are Americans. And they're homeless in their country. Stuff happens. So it's not about your geographical location sometimes. It's about what you carry on the inside. So wherever you go, then you prosper. Are you with me? Whether you wind up in the UK, you wind up in America, you wind up in Brazil, you wind up in Cameroon, you prosper. Even if you go to Ghana, you prosper. But God is looking at your attitude, your attitude where you are right now, your attitude where you are right now. Are you grateful? Are you grateful for your family? Are you grateful for your parents? God, I thank you for my dad. I thank you for my mom. I thank you for what you're doing in this family. Have you ever said that in your life? Or you say, what kind of father is this one? You're not saying it with your mouth, but your attitude shows it. Some of you despise your parents. It's a terrible thing, though. Remember, the Holy Ghost led me to pray for people here. That was the longest altar call I'd ever seen years ago. Maybe about two years ago. If you have ever despised your parents, you haven't said it with your mouth, maybe, but you've despised them in your attitude, step out for prayer. And the, least, the line was long from that wall to that wall. I believe God broke the yoke that day. And if anyone missed that ministration, God is breaking the yoke today in the name of Jesus. In fact, it's not just breaking it, it's destroying it in the name of Jesus. Because that can limit you. See, when you have a wrong attitude, a negative attitude can limit one in life. It can limit one's destiny. As simple as an attitude is. He said, but I've not said it yet. I've not spoken it yet. God sees it already. And God hears it already. Your attitude is visible to God. One, two, it is audible to God. The rich fool in Luke, in the gospel of Luke, do you know he never said a word with his mouth? And the field of a rich man brought forth plentiful. It was a plentiful harvest. And he said in his heart, now I have a huge harvest. I'm going to reap my harvest. I'm going to store it in my barns. I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And I'm going to stay. I'm going to store stuff for a long time to come. And I will, take, I will tell my soul, soul, take it easy. Have some rest. I have food. I have money stored up for many years to come. And the Lord answered. The man never spoke a word with his mouth. He only said within his heart. And the Lord answered him, thou fool, tonight your soul will be required of you. And those things you've laid up, for whom will they be? Never forget, your attitude is visible to God and is audible to God. That's why you need to be careful. What's your attitude toward your fellow church members? What's your attitude towards your classmates? Maybe some of them are not as privileged as you are. They come from homes where their parents are struggling. Don't despise them. This was always where the same shoe. The whole semester, same shoe. What's your problem? If you don't like it, give him another one. Give him a pair. You have ten. Give him one. You know some bull. 
Somebody walked up to another person in the church. I won't tell you the church. A rich woman and a struggling brother. The rich woman walked up to the brother and said, my brother, why are you wearing that wristwatch? It's not working. It's not working. And truly, the wristwatch was not working. The brother only wore it so that his wrist would not be bare. This woman could afford to buy him a hundred wristwatches. I know her. And I know the brother. I didn't know the story until I, I blessed the brother with something, maybe a pair of shoes or something. And then he, he was talking to me in my office. He said, can you believe that this happened to me while they were in a room where they were going to pray? You wonder why some prayers don't go beyond the ceiling. What's your attitude? Your attitude is bad. Yet you want to pray. It doesn't matter. Your tonguing is a waste of time. Kukuya, yala kayala. God is saying, sorry, kukuya nani. That's your attitude. I've been kukumba. Let's look at David. God is not a taskmaster, so let's not paint his picture like he's always looking at our fault or looking for our fault. He's not fault-finding. God is not on a fault-finding mission, but I'm bringing this to your notice so that we need to adjust where necessary. Are you with me, church? Let's adjust. When the church calls for a prayer meeting, you should have the attitude to be there. Be the first person. Don't be the last person to come. It's an attitude. Some of you never go late to work, but coming to church is an option. So you come late to church. It's an attitude. And it's a bad one that needs to be changed. When you have a thankful attitude, God notices that too. That's why I took those songs earlier. You think everything is rosy in my life right now? <laughs> you need to think again. But it's more, it must be an attitude we must possess. Be thankful and give thanks. Two different things. When you are thankful, it's full in your heart. Your heart is full of it. But expressing it is giving that thanks. Don't just be thankful. Give thanks also. Are you with me, church? Let's look at a good example. Second Samuel chapter 6, the man David. Second Samuel chapter 6, verses 12 to 13. And this will be our main scripture where we're going to stop for today. David, to give you a background, had gone to pick up the ark of the Lord from the house of Obedidom. They were bringing the ark to the city of David. And somebody died because the ark was going to fall. And the man, Uriah, tried to help the ark. You don't help God. <laughs> and angel struck him and he died. David said, hey, don't bring that thing to my house. Don't bring it to the city. Where shall we take it to? They said, there's one man who obeyed him. He was a Gittite. He was not a Jewish man. He was like an unbeliever, an, unbe an uncircumcised unbeliever. David said, take, take, take the ark to his house. Obedidom. In Yoruba, it's Obediedomu. They took it to the house of Obediedomu. Thinking that the ark would kill the man. He's a man of low profile. Zero profile. But the ark got there and the man started getting blessed. Because when the presence of the Lord comes into your home, your home is blessed. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? David now said, ah. He woke up one day and said, hey. <laughs> the man is doing well. Please, let's go and fetch the ark. So they went to fetch the ark. Second Samuel chapter 6. Let's look at verse 12 now. And it was told King David saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obedidom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obedidom into the city of David with gladness. Somebody with gladness. When you are giving your offering, give it with gladness. When you are sweeping the house of God, sweep it with. When you are singing to the Lord, sing with. Whatever you do for God, if you don't do it with gladness, God will not accept it. The Bible says God loves a cheerful 
giver. Attitude. You can give 1,000. The next person sitting to you also will give 1,000. You get the same amount. But God is checking the, what is the attitude? What is the attitude? Attitude may differ. Somebody might give 100 naira, And God accepts that offering beyond someone who gives 1 million. And God says, what is this? Give like you are doing God a favor. Give me your church account details. Uh, what do you need? Our God is not, <laughs> is not in need. Can I have an amen? We are these financiers of the church. If we don't come to, if we don't give our title offering, the church will go broke. <laughs> we are the one buying pastor's shirts. You know, we are even planning to change this car very soon. Proud people. Prideful people. God hates such attitudes. And it was so that when they that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. When they moved six steps like this, David sacrificed an oxen and a fatling. What's a sacrifice? Just count six steps, he will kill animals. Another six steps, he will kill animals. Another six steps, he will kill animals. A generous man. That's another attitude. Generosity. And this is what I wanted to look at. Let's read together verse 14. Out loud. One, two, go. And David danced before the Lord. How? With all his might. And David was guarded with a linen effort. What does it mean to dance with all your might? It's like this is the last dance. I might not get the chance to dance another one. I will dance this one like it's the last. But those who dance like that always dance another one. Are you with me? Those who put their lives on the line for God, God always gives them the chance for another one. Those who go all out, this is all I have. I don't have anything again. I give it to you, God. God will give you another one. Those who try to play carefully, let's take it easy, take it easy, take it easy. They die cheaply. Because they're trying to take it easy. You're not winning souls. Let's take it easy because I don't want to upset people. Somebody told me in America some time ago, say, be careful, Pastor Fred. This one that you're going everywhere, preaching the gospel to everybody on the street. I went to a believer's convention. I was preaching the gospel. We stepped out of a session. Papa Copeland just finished teaching the word of God. And as we stepped out of the, uh, the, the convention center in Houston, Texas, a lady that was in the convention, she just lit up a cigarette. Pah! White lady, puffing. I said, Secretary, we were just coming from a heavily loaded meeting. Heavily anointed. I walked up to her and said, do you, do you know the Lord? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, the Lord, you know, uh, yeah, he's the Lord. Eh? And she was puffing the thing in my face. I said, uh, ma'am, uh, can, can I have just a couple of minutes? I want to talk to you. Could you please put that out? Oh, okay, okay, I'm sorry. It turned out she had a problem with her lungs. Uh, what, what do you call this place now? Uh, Osophagus, right? She had a problem somewhere there and she was still smoking. Isn't that terrible? I led her to Christ. She had two little kids. She, she didn't care. She, oh, you both? They don't care. Smoking in their presence. Just step down. I said, were you in this convention? She said, oh, yeah. I've been attending every day. And this was like the last day of the convention, man. Who benesi si gada no? Omo lomo. Who benesi? 
fear. Somebody now wondering. Say, be careful. Be careful so that they don't, they don't tell you. They, they, so they, don't, they don't like solicitation. I said, I'm not soliciting for anything. I'm preaching Christ. And if they carry me and they jail me, I preach in the jail. Glory be to God. And they never arrested me. They never molested me. Take it easy. Take it easy. Be careful. Be careful. <laughs> David danced before the Lord with all his might. I can imagine that kind of energy with all. I don't know what kind of music they were playing. I think Baba Step said, Baba, Baba Step know the rhyme. You know the rhyme with the music. Because that kind of dance It's not the kind of expression house, cool guys dance like, praise worship, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Amen. Some of you, the way you will look at the choir like, man, finish the song. I, I, I'm waiting for pastor's message. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Dance. Tell your neighbor, say dance. David danced with all his might. All his might. Praise the Lord. Captain, hallelujah. God of Abraham. I will show you. David was jumping and leaping. There's no way the dance will rhyme with the music. He was jumping, jumping. There's no rhyme in jumping. But we need to get there. Listen, church. And David was gathered with a linen effort. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting. Somebody say shouting. They were not quiet people. See, the people that God uses are expressive people. That's why this place is called the expression house. When, you want to, when we want to pray, we pray. When we want to dance, we dance. When we want to sing, we sing. When we want to shout, we shout. And when we want to play, we play. Are you with me, church? God uses expressive people. Brought the ark with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. David the trumpeter was in that service. Where's that guy? Yeah, he was in that service. Far, far, with, I mean, loud. He was loud, man. Then David the saxophonist, far, 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 far. All of them playing. The keyboardist, the guitarist, everybody with a loud voice. <laughs> and as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, I love the phrase city of David, the city of David. The man had a whole city, city of Fred, hallelujah. Michael, this Michael was the daughter of Saul given to David to marry. Looked through a window and saw King David, what was King David doing? Leaping, come and talk to me church, what was he doing? Leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. Attitude. David was leaping. Hey, I got joy, 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 joy overflows. Yeah. That was, David was not doing, I have joy, joy. Joy, joy. You, since you people are not responding, so me too, I'll be singing like this. Joy overflow in my life. No, 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 no. He was leaping and dancing. As he was leaping, his garment was, you know, there's no way you'll be leaping and you, you dress like the Middle East people with flowing garment that the thing will not be jumping up. So, apparently, his boxer shorts, 
was showing. But Baba didn't care. Baba no send. He was leaping and shouting and dancing before the Lord. He was doing it with reckless abandon. You notice that the days we come to church and you care about whether somebody's looking at you because you don't know how to dance. Your dance is not like the normal leg walk they do. I don't know how to do that leg walk. I will do my own leg walk. I don't follow the multitude. You see, my own dance is my dance. Amen? And if you don't understand my story, if you don't know my pain, then you will never understand my praise. Are you with me, church? David knew where God took him from. Who was David's father? Jesse. Jesse was not a king. He was not in their lineage to be, to, be made, to be anointed king. And God took him from being a shepherd boy to being a king. And you are telling him not to praise God. If you have sold pepper like me on the streets of Mokola, if you have sold oranges during Ramadan in every nook and cranny of Sabo, in the trenches, then if you understand that God takes someone like me overseas ever in my life for the first time sitting on a plane on an aircraft, then you don't understand my praise. Some of you were born with silver spoons. Some of you golden spoons. Some of you maybe wooden spoons. Me, I was born without a spoon. I come from a place where we celebrate visa. You get a visa, ah, like you are a millionaire already. For some of you, it doesn't mean anything. It means nothing. Are you with me? It means nothing. You're driving at the age of 18 or at 16. You started learning to drive. In the hood, man, you are, you are, you're almost 30. You are still washing your daddy's car. If you start the engine, you're in trouble. It will come and feel the temperature. Who started this car? Who started? Ordinary television. The man was going to work and he will give you a warning. Nobody turns on this television. President, television, black and white. President, black and white. He comes back from work. He goes to feel the temperature. So you don't understand, David. Are you with me, church? Michael despised him. Terrible attitude in her heart. See what happened. And they brought in the ark of the Lord, verse 17, and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And as soon as David had made an end of offering, burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts, in the name. He blessed them in the name. Name, name of the Lord of hosts, El, that's Jehovah, El Sabaoth, the God of the angel armies, the God of the armies of Israel. He used that name to bless the people, to baraka the people. Now listen, and it dealt among all the people, even among the whole multitude of Israel. David was a giver. All of the entire population of Israel. See what he did? He gave them gifts. As well as to the women as men, to everyone a cake of bread, somebody say one, and a good piece of flesh. If Bible says good, that's not small meat, it's good. The kind of meat you carry and you carry. Flesh, right? Somebody say two. And a flagon of wine, somebody say three. So all the people departed everyone to his house. He gave them enough to go and marry. It was like a Christmas gift to every person. Not every household, every person. He gave father, gave mother, gave kids. Out of his own purse, he gave the whole country. So when God says, David is a man after my heart, you wonder why. 
Some of us can't joke. When it comes to money, we don't joke with God, you know, with our money. We can sing, Lord, I love you. And I worship you. You are worthy. Oh, I don't know the, 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 the connection between worshiping and crying, but sometimes it flows. Lord, I love you. I love you. Offering time. You look for the last card, 20 naira. You touch the 1,000, you know, I bind the devil in the name of Jesus. You touch the 500, no, I didn't mean to put this one out. Where's the 20? The polymer. You feel it. Okay, polymer. Bring that and give it to God. Love you, Lord. If God gives that to you on your birthday, how, how nice would that be? I love you, my son. I really love you. I bless you. Here's your birthday gift. Package. Where package? I signed it to. Gabriel signed it. Michael also signed. 20 naira. Your birthday gift from heaven. How happy will you be? Some of us are not giving at the level with which God has placed us. You are still giving at the level you used to be. In 2024, repent. Amen. Amen. The word is enough for the wise. Then David, verse 20, returned to bless his household. He had blessed the whole country. Now he was coming to bless his own household, his own family. Oh, you can imagine the, 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 the joy in the heart of David. He had blessed the whole country. Now he was coming home. I'm coming home. Coming home. I don't know that song, but I know that line. I'm coming home. Who sang it? Coming home. Right? I don't know the lyrics. I hope it's not curse words. They don't have curse words, right? But I just, I normally hear that line. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. You know, when you travel as a man, you look forward to coming back home. Home, sweet home. David had blessed the entire country. He was looking forward to coming home to bless his family. And as he showed up, see what he met. And Michael, Michael didn't wait for David to enter. Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David. Did you see that? I pray for all of you guys and all of you ladies. You will marry your own flesh, the flesh of your flesh, and the bone of your bones in Jesus' name. You see, this Michael was given to David. Not that David loved her. He, she was given. And she was supposed to be the oldest wife of David. She came out to meet David and said, look at what she said. How glorious was the king of Israel today who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants. Not in the eyes of his servants only. In the eyes of the handmaids of his servants. That is the servants of his servants. And you were uncovering yourself. Because you are not used to royalty. I was raised in royalty. My father, Saul, was the tallest man in Israel, the king of Israel. Oh, how lofty he was. A man, he was so civil. Oh, his blood was blue. His blood shows royalty. Everything he does 
fixed royalty. My father walked royalty. He wore royalty. He ate royalty. If he wanted to sing, he would sing royalty. If he was going to sleep, he slept royalty. We are the people of the palace. We don't do streets. And how glorious were you today, David? I was jumping from the window. I could see your boxer's shorts. Those things were meant for my eyes only. You were showing it to everybody. To the servants of your servants. Oh, gosh! Why did I marry this street boy? Are you with me, church? Those were the words of Michael. It's not, it wasn't the end. See what she said also. As one of the vain fellows, vain, I want you to jamon concord, I want gota, I want gote, gote, the vain fellows, shamelessly uncovered himself. Gosh! Exclamation mark. But I love David. <laughs> I love David. Nobody ever spoke last where David was. He will give it to you. Ask Goliath. He tried it. Goliath spoke maybe about 33 words. David spoke over 100. Over 100 words in response. You go collect. God bless you. She collected. <laughs> When she was done speaking, she put an exclamation mark. Pa! You know when a lady is so pissed and said, Ta! Ta! David said, come here. And David said unto Micah, I love David. When Goliath spoke and David said to Goliath, Micah spoke and David said to Micah. What did he say? It was before the Lord. Yad who chose me before your father? Your father. And before all his house to appoint me, Emiomogeto, ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore will I play before the Lord. I will play before the Lord. There's a time to play before the Lord. He played instruments. But even in dancing, he played before the Lord. Some people don't know how to play before the Lord. They are too serious even for the Lord. Someone said in our church, when they want to have entertainment, they come to this church. One lady said that, I was told. She said, but when she wants to pray, she knows where she goes. Like we are not serious people. I thank God for my unseriousness. That was directed at me. But I thank God for the unseriousness. I don't want to be so serious. They'll be giving me lagati in UCH. There was a time I was so serious. I was sleeping for two hours in the whole night. There were three nights I didn't sleep at all. I mean, I worked all day. I slept on my bed. I didn't sleep at all. It was like I continued my day on my bed. If that is seriousness, may I be unserious. And if this unseriousness is blessing lives, is it blessing you guys? I'm okay. David said, before the Lord, I will play. Ah, is he not your father? 
Is it not your daddy? Some of us just don't, because maybe we don't know how to relate to our earthly fathers. Some people don't hug their dad. I asked one of my friends, I said, have you ever hugged your dad? Ah! Hug my father! He said, I don't want him to go. I'm serious. There are fathers who are Goliaths in their homes. You can't hug them. He thought, he, he, he hoots the car. Pim, pim, pim. Everybody takes cover. The lion of the tribe of our family has arrived. No, I told myself I would never make that happen in my family. We are huggers. I hug my children. We, we hug like we can hug a thousand times if it's possible a day. That's the culture I've created in my home. Therefore, before the, therefore, will I play before the Lord. Listen, she spoke one verse. David has spoken one verse. David moved on to the next verse. And I will yet be more vile than those. I will get worse. And I will be base in my own sight. I will not be proud. I will not be big in my eyes. May you never be big in your own eyes. Listen to me, church. Pride goes before the fall. When people fall, they scatter. Pocket your pride. Pocket it. God is using me. God is pocket your pride. Are you the one using yourself? Have you heard the story of the, uh, the the donkey that Jesus rode into Jerusalem? The donkey was feeling good. Everybody was they were putting their clothes on the floor, palm fronts on the floor. The donkey was sharing the story the next day. With the people of the town, say, man, when I, yes, as I enter town, people were putting their palm fronts in front of me, they were putting their clothes, in, they were spreading it on the floor, and I was walking on it. He didn't know it was because of the person he carried. The next day that he didn't carry Jesus, he went back to town. They even slapped him. They pushed away. Say, ah, but what? These people so cruel. He said, but the one you carry. God is using you, pocket your pride. I will be based in my own sight. And of the mid servants which thou hast spoken of, of them shall I be had in honor. You see those mid servants, the servants of my servants that you have spoken of, they will hold me in high esteem. Will you disrespect your pastor because he's praising God? Look at verse 23. Here's the verdict. Look at verse David never cursed this woman. David only spoke back. But because God noted the attitude and heard every word, verse 23, therefore Michael, the daughter of Saul had no child unto the day of her death. I want to stop here. Did David say, and thou shall be barren? Did he say that? When God is with someone, be careful how you relate to that person. The anointing you despise can destroy you. You can walk away quietly and honorably. Don't carry a curse on your head. It's not every curse that is proclaimed. 
Just like it's not every blessing that is sworn. There are blessings that come by association. Abraham never laid hands on Lot. Thou shall be blessed. No. He just went with, with Abraham and he became blessed. Whatever was working in Abraham's life worked in his life. Michael became the only woman in the Bible that was barren till the day of her death. She wasn't the only barren woman, but all the other barren women had their wombs open. Sarah was barren, but the Lord opened her womb, and we got the man Isaac. Isaac got married. The wife was Rebecca. Rebecca was barren, and Isaac entreated the Lord for Rebecca, and the Lord opened her womb. She gave birth. Jacob and Esau. Jacob married uh, Rachel and Leah. Leah was given him first before Rachel. Rachel was barren, but God opened the womb of Rachel. She became the mother of nations. The wife of Manoah was barren. The angel visited them and said, you are going to be pregnant and that child will be a special child and will be a messenger. You will be a Nazirite unto the Lord and there will be seven locks on his head and thou shalt not allow razor to come upon his head and thou shalt not drink alcohol. Madam, that became the mother of Samson. Samson, a mighty man. Mighty man of valor. Anna was barren. She went to Shiloh every year, married to Elkanah, and prayed before the Lord, and poured out the, the bitterness of her soul before the altar. Vaccinating priest, Eli said, what are you doing here? You're taking a gogoro, a gogoro this morning. I think women were drinking a lot back in the day. He said, no, Lord. No, my Lord, I didn't drink. I've not taken anything. I'm just pouring out of the bitterness of my soul to God. And he said, may the Lord hear your petition. And in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 20, or verse 27, verse 27, it, she came and said, for this child I prayed. Samuel was born as a product of prayer. For this child I prayed. For this child I prayed. Ah, may you have prayer fruits. May you have miracles in your life. Bath on the platform of prayer. There are times we don't need, we don't, we don't have people. We are not connected. But we have God. What's our problem? We don't pray. We wish. We don't pray. We talk about prayer. We don't pray. Now, when you come tomorrow at 3 p.m., nobody is teaching anybody about prayer. Everybody knows in this church we ought to pray. Men ought always to pray and not pray. So pray. It is not what you know that makes a difference in your life. It's what you do with what you know. Samuel was born a product of prayer. For this child, I prayed. I remember my first U.S. visa. I said to the Lord, for this visa, I prayed. People counseled me. Go to Togo. Go to Cameroon. Go by road. Go to Ghana. Go to Malaysia. Let them stamp your passport. Don't take a virgin passport to U.S. Embassy. They will not give you visa. Including ministers. I told them, if I have the money to go to all those countries, I will sit down here. I went with what they call virgin passport. The white man looked through the pages. Everything empty. No travel history. Because of that, they refused the person before me. Didn't care. The anointing of God took over. First time at the embassy, boom, and I was given. I got it. And many others have got it after me. Many other people were buried in the Bible. God opened their wombs. Elizabeth, the wife of Zechariah, a man of the course of Abia, Abia State, was in the Bible. 
Elizabeth was barren. Angel Gabriel came, ministered, and then she became pregnant with John, John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Lord. And when the same angel went to Mary and told Mary, my angel said, she that was called barren, it is now six months with her. She's now six months pregnant. And Mary went to greet her cousin Elizabeth, and the Holy Ghost filled the womb of Elizabeth, and she began to prophesy. And she said, the baby in me leaped for joy when I heard the voice of your salutation. How is it that the mother of my Lord has come to me? How did Elizabeth know that Mary was going to be the mother of the Lord? See, synchronization in the realm of the spirit. For every child that was delayed, look at the Bible very well. Those kids were kids of promise. They were children of promise. They had a special assignment. The only woman that went down in the Bible as barren was Michael, the daughter of Saul. And on what platform? The platform of complaining and murmuring. Instead of joining her husband, what would it have been like that day? As she saw her husband through the window, and she ran downstairs, and she ran to meet him in the field. Oh, honey, we jump together. We praise God. I might not be able to jump as high as you because I'm a woman. Amen? Wisdom requires that the way I jump, I jump with wisdom. Amen? <laughs> so that uh, stories that uh, touch the heart will not be spread abroad. All right? But I will dance with you. I will sing with you. Do you think that woman would have gone barren? When you see any area of barrenness in your life, maybe we should begin to look. Maybe gratitude is lacking. What are you thankful for? This message is for thinking people. Some of you take your education for granted. I went to UI, so I don't feel a sense of belonging. When I'm in the midst of my, my mates who went to Harvard, I told my parents to send me to Harvard. They didn't send me to Harvard, they sent me to UI. Ordinary UI there. May the Lord have mercy on you. You know how many people suffered to get to UI and they still didn't get the admission? Did they qualify? Yes. You think everybody that didn't get admission that didn't qualify? My protocol officer was showing me a result today. He has sent it to me of a young man that has qualified three times and yet no admission. He has applied again for medicine and surgery. So bring him to this church. God will turn that around. Stand on your feet, everyone. Don't let me go beyond here. Attitude of gratitude. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. Open your mouth.